Welcome back to your therapy tools. This is part three of the codependency and assertiveness series. And today I want to start with a few definitions of codependency. Um, The more that we can define it and understand it, the better we will be at combating it, okay? This is from the Codependence Anonymous or CODA book. And it's on page two and it's under what is codependence. I love this definition because it is is so accurate. Um, Codependence is a disease that deteriorates our soul. It affects our personal lives, our families, our children, friends, relatives, and our businesses and careers, our health, and our spiritual growth. It is debilitating, and if left untreated, causes us to become more destructive to ourselves and others. Many of us come to a point when we must look beyond ourselves for help. So true. Here's a few more definitions that I pulled from a simple Google search. Codependency is a psychological condition or relationship in which a person is controlled or manipulated by another who is affected with a pathological condition such as narcissistic personality disorder, addiction to alcohol or to drugs broadly, dependence on the needs of others or control by another. Here's another definition. Codependency is an imbalanced relationship pattern where one partner assumes a high-cost giver-rescuer role and the other is the taker-victim role. And last one. Codependency is an excessive emotional, physical, and psychological reliance on a relationship that is dysfunctional. It is an emotional condition that can destroy a person's happiness, career, health, and personal relationships. Now, codependency is not in the DSM-5, which is what um, therapists use for diagnostic criteria and um, coding for medical billing. Um, But there is a... um, There is a diagnosis in there called Dependent Personality Disorder, which is uh, very, very similar, if not identical, to being codependent. Um, So, being codependent, we've we've explored what it means. We've explored um, the different subcategories of codependent behaviors. You know, are you controlling? Are you submissive? Um, I want to also explore with you really quick the narcissist and the codependent. Now, this isn't to say that somebody who is in a relationship with you, if you have the codependent traits, it doesn't mean this person is a full-blown DSM-5 diagnosable narcissist, okay? They could just be on the spectrum, like we've talked about, um, a narcissistic personality, somebody 
who is mildly or moderately narcissistic um, and severely, but most of the time, because the codependent relationships tend to be the codependent person is the giver, the fixer, the rescuer, the enabler, it usually uh, ends up that the person on the other side of that relationship is the taker, the abuser, the manipulator, and is generally somewhat narcissistic, whether they are an addict or if they are an alcoholic or if they are just playing narcissistic. So um, this is a little bit of information. Um, if you recognize all the confusion, anxiety, depression, angst, brain fog, memory loss, enormous self-doubt, and fear of just about everything and everyone, it can be traced back to narcissistic abuse. Most people who are enmeshed in codependent relationships don't realize what's really going on. They may be so below the veil of consciousness or so emotionally abused that the wool is just absolutely pulled over their eyes and they don't realize what's happening. And this is when abuse becomes normal. We become complacent in our dysfunction. Many of us grew up in crazy childhood homes. Uh, maybe it was unpredictable. Maybe there was a lot of fighting. Um, maybe you just didn't even have a consistent routine and, and you just didn't have a safe environment, meaning that um, you never knew what was going to happen next. Um, maybe you were in survival mode as a child. You knew nothing of going to bed feeling safe, protected, and and liked and respected as a child. Instead, insecurity and generalized angst was your norm. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my! So, you were always worried. You were, as a child, you were worried, you were scared, you never felt safe. Um, you may have been afraid of monsters under your bed, monsters in the other room fighting, uh, the monster who might come to your bedroom at night when everybody else is asleep. We all had different variations of abuse and feeling unsafe as a child. When you grow up to be codependent, it's a learned behavior. Um, you either learn it from a caretaker who was abused and became a people-pleasing codependent type person, or you develop these skills as a survival tactic. Um, if you're a people pleaser, people don't get so mad at you and you don't have to suffer so much abuse, right? So the childhood connection um, is huge. The codependent is the one who figured out that by people pleasing, fawning, rescuing, and suppressing their own needs, they avoid criticism, abuse, abandonment, um, and the narcissistic person that was in their lives, caregiver, siblings, whoever, was un unable to find ways to gain any sort of approval or reprieve from experiences they were born into. So no matter what the narcissist did, relief, acceptance, love, happiness, attachment, joy, it just never came to them. And narcissists have learned that the world is cold, harmful, and it's far better to eat than to be eaten it's better to punish than to be punished. And when they find a codependent person, the codependent person has 
turned so altruistic that it's actually toxic for themselves. Um, No matter how hard you try to love someone with a narcissistic personality disorder, they cannot love you back. And they see vulnerability as a threat to their survival. Um, Survival's hardwired into the human brain, so falsely believing that your love, if you love them enough, if you do enough for these people, if you sacrifice yourself like a martyr day after day, they'll see your sacrifices and they'll feel your love because you have so much love to give and you truly, truly believe in your heart you can heal them with your love. You can't. You won't. And they are not going to give you any kind of recognition related to that. Um, The rescuer and the fixer. Codependents love to rescue and fix people. Um, You've never learned to believe that you're enough just as you are. Healthy people might not want to be with a codependent person, but perhaps a wounded duck would run into your arms, right? Somebody that has potential, they're rough around the edges, but your love will heal and guide them. Um, Codependent people will attract the most wounded, unstable personality in a room full of healthy people. It's like a moth to a flame. Narcissistic types, we are drawn to them if we're codependent, and they're drawn to us. You're like a narcissist magnet. Um, uh, These people will represent the fantasy of possibly having someone outside of us uh, tell us that we're good enough. So the narcissist love bombing in the 30 red flags that I've shared. (coughs) Excuse me. During the love bombing phase, if you have a lot of codependent traits near people pleaser, during the love bombing phase with the narcissist, you will eat that shit up and <laughs> you fall for it hook, line, and sinker every time because they make you feel important. They make you feel validated. They make you feel like you're a good person. They give you all the things that you didn't get in childhood. They give you, they tell you exactly what they know you need to hear and want to hear. So when you are a codependent person, hearing from somebody else that you're good enough is like the greatest thing in the world. And you'll keep coming back for more. That's why the love bombing always works on codependent people. Um, In some cases, codependent people are drawn to wounded others or personality disorders because of the hero fantasy. It's something like, you know, I'm going to save that guy. All he needs is love. All he ever needed was to know that he was enough. It's not his fault he's unloving today. I know if I love him the way he needs to be loved, I can turn him around. I can make him love me. Okay, so you're, you're getting hooked up with these emotionally unavailable people. And that kind of mindset towards them. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, but you are wasting your precious resources on the wrong person. 
and you're filling their hole with the wrong dirt. They will not appreciate you. Um, They're not capable. People with codependency tend to like to be in control, and often our childhood homes were unpredictable and we had no control. Taking care of people is something we know how to do. We know how to be the one in control. We know how to be responsible, how to make decisions. We know what other people need because we're mind readers. (laughs) We know how to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Attracting unhealthy people that need to be taken care of assures us that we will always be in control, or at least that is what our faulty, unconscious, codependent beliefs tells us is the truth. So if you're asking yourself why you have a pattern of failed dysfunctional relationships and you gave 150% of yourself and you did all the right stuff, but still it ended, still They did not love and respect you back. They discarded you like a piece of garbage and you can't figure out why. The the question is not why did they do that to you. The question is why did you stay there? You stayed with a broken person because it made you feel superior. It made you feel like a hero. It made you feel like a martyr. Uh an honorable martyr, right? You felt like, yeah, I'm sacrificing my own feelings and needs and wants and happiness and all that, but it's for the greater good because I'm helping another soul. I'm lifting another soul, and that makes me a good person. So sometimes it's just as simple as you feel like you're a good person because you're accepting all this abuse and trying to help another person who's wounded. So ask yourself why you stayed in that relationship with that person that manipulated and abused you. And then take a step back and take the emotion out of it. Maybe journal and look at it later. And you can recognize, because when we're codependent, our self-esteem sucks. Our self-confidence sucks. We've been through a lot, and we've learned the survival skill of being a people-pleaser We are altruistic to a toxic level, to the detriment of ourselves, and we give and give and give. And when we do all of this, it makes us feel better about ourselves because we never received that validation before from other people. So codependency and control, and then the bubble will burst. A codependent person will get tired of catering to the needs and demands and expectations of all these people. It gets to a point where you simply have nothing left to give. But that's the thing. Until you heal the beliefs that create your codependency, you'll keep on attracting all of those unhealthy people. And until you fix your need to control everything and everyone in your life, This pattern will continue. So it's important to let go of the people-pleasing, the fixing, the rescuing, and the enabling. And this is not easy to do. Like everything else, it takes a ton of practice. You have to allow another grown-ass adult to figure out their own shit. You have to assist your own ego to release the need to feel validated by outside sources. 
You have to learn to be authentic and mindful of who you help, how you help, and why. Stop jumping in to fix people's lives for them. Choose a more authentic life for yourself. And here is where I reiterate the importance of boundaries. You might think you're setting boundaries because you complain a lot. This is actually passive-aggressive bullshit. It's not setting a boundary. A boundary implies action will be taken if a boundary is crossed or violated. When you're codependent, you have to be willing to walk away from abusive conversations, gaslighting, neglect, stonewalling, rage, manipulation. If you stand there and tolerate passive-aggressive, covert or overt nonsense from a narcissistic person, this reinforces their hidden agenda, which is to get you to feel guilty for daring to hold them accountable for anything So if you're trying to talk to somebody and have an effective communication that will resolve something that needs closure and they stonewall you, you can say, I can see you're not ready to talk. Goodbye. Get up and walk away. Um, If they say something abusive, you can say, I refuse to be spoken to like that. Goodbye. Um, You have to be firm. You have to walk away. And no apologies. So starting over, when somebody who has codependent traits would like to live a more authentic life, because you probably feel like you don't know who you are right this in, in this moment, you know? You have immersed yourself so deeply into this other person's persona, giving yourself up and losing yourself and neglecting yourself, that if I were to ask you, who are you? Tell me about you. You would probably look at me with a blank stare and say, I don't know. And that's perfectly normal to be in that position when you have codependent traits. So you have to continue to become more self-responsible with your own thoughts and actions, with your body, and begin to feel lighter. You have to recognize your desire to help others as a way of trying to be good enough. And when you do that, you have to refuse to reinforce those pain patterns. You have to help your body release negative toxic shame when you exert real boundaries with narcissistic others. You help them as well as yourself. When you tolerate bullying, gaslighting, manipulation, lying, and emotional abuse, You reinforce the narcissist's faulty perception of the world as well as their faulty perception of themselves. So codependency can be seen in a lot of ways. Um, It may be feeling depression, fear, anger, sadness. You might be so consumed by someone else that you ignore your feelings completely. You might stay in abusive relationships or isolate yourself to avoid being disappointed or feeling pain. It can happen anytime to anyone, even when you're in recovery and therapy. It can even happen to a therapist. It can happen to a doctor. It can happen to a NASA astronaut. It can happen to anybody. 
It just depends on how you grew up and what your survival tactics were. Um, unmanageability occurs when you stop owning your own power and you start believing you have no choice about how you want to act, regardless of what another person is or is not doing. You neglect yourself and you need to take control of yourself. Where does the need to control come from? We learn that in childhood. So children being put in a position of caretaker for their parents or controlling or taking care of out of control or irresponsible parents. How many of you have experienced this or know somebody who had a drunk alcoholic parent and the child before even having a license was taught to drive that parent into town to get more booze or that child had to take care of their siblings because mom was severely depressed and refused to get out of bed or dad was abusive so your older brother or somebody's older brother would hide you in the bedroom to protect you from dad and he would go out there and take the abuse. Um, There are so many different situations that can cause this need for control because as a child you didn't have control but you were forced to take control (laughs) and then at any moment the rug could be lifted out from under you. So you grew up caring, being a caretaker for people. And I I think I've said this before, if you have these traits and you feel like being a caretaker, you can turn your altruism from toxic to um, very productive by becoming a nurse or, um, and that gives you, that gives you that sense of being good enough and doing good things for others. And the people pleasing aspect now becomes part of your job and, It's something you can be proud of and it helps your self-esteem. So that's one example, becoming a nurse or an EMT or a doctor or maybe an attorney or a therapist or um, even a teacher. So you can turn it around and get a job where you are helping people and use use it as a superpower rather than having it be something that ruins your life. So, um, first of all, give yourself permission to take care of yourself. It's time to relax and stop controlling people. When you're focused on controlling people and you're focused on fixing all their problems, you're not controlling yourself. And that leaves you open for others to control you by manipulation. So, think about this too. Codependency is often uh, referred to as being addicted to love. Um, and sometimes we love other people way too much and desperately want and need what they have. Um, it could be the acceptance, approval, love, loyalty, friendship, and, uh, we may forfeit our ability to take care of ourselves while we're with them out of fear that we might not get what we need from them. And we hope if we hold things in place, uh, we'll finally be safe and get what we need but we won't. Um, Accepting powerlessness. Some are ready to accept this step when they enter like the codependency um, 
anonymous groups. Some people are ready. They're tired and they're just ready to give up. And others will fight that step. If you're not willing to let con- let go of the control and surrender and you're overcome by fear, um, this can be super uncomfortable. And admitting you're powerless over life, sometimes even over yourself, is not an easy thing to do. And it's not about being irresponsible or the locus of control where you say, my environment controls me. Um, (laughs) It's actually the opposite. This is about claiming responsibility for yourself and letting others be responsible for themselves. It's about facing your own fears and meeting your own needs, setting your own boundaries and protecting your own peace of mind. It's about no longer being a victim. So when you can accept the powerlessness to control other people, you become more empowered to take care of you. And when you begin to take care of you, you start living your life and all that is meant to come to you will be yours. When you stop trying to control other people, you can allow trust to live in your heart again. It sounds crazy. I know it's hard to give up control. So giving up control requires a certain level of detachment. Um, You have to learn how to detach and become aware of your stubbornness and your willpower. Um, You have to identify boundaries and limits and what is your responsibility and what is not. You know that cir- that uh, that saying, not my circus, not my monkeys. So you have to look at what is your circus and what are your monkeys. And that is all you focus on, your own stuff. And this is often, uh, this step is off- often very fearful, um, becoming aware of what you can't control. But you have to accept it and move forward. Radical acceptance. Radical acceptance. You can only control yourself. And everybody else is none of your business. Um, When you surrender and you're ready. And you get tired of fighting battles you can't win. You start letting go. Letting go of that control. And have you been... You need to think about this, okay, for letting go of control. Have you been trying to exert power or influence where you may in reality have none? Have you been trying to control someone or something, trying harder and harder with no results, like running in circles, trying so hard to change or control another person, but they are not changing and you're just not winning this battle? Who or what in your life makes you feel crazy and causes you stress? Whom do you feel victimized by? Who do you feel is now controlling you, your emotions, or some area of your life? What situations, feelings, or realities have you been running from, denying, and avoiding? What would you have to face in your own life if you stopped trying to control someone or something? What might happen if you stop allowing someone or something to control you? What are some areas in your life 
that may reflect unmanageability. What is your current condition in these areas, such as emotion, finance, spirituality, physical health, and career? What are you doing for fun, pleasure, and enjoyment for yourself? What is the current state of your relationships with these people? Family, friends, co-workers, your children. Do you have any relationships or do you feel alone and isolated? Does your mind feel clear and consistent or does your mind feel cloudy? Who are you holding responsible for your emotions, finances, and health? Who are you holding responsible for the state of your relationship? What are you doing in your life that you feel resentful about? And what do you feel you have to do about it? What would it take for you to be happy? Who or what is stopping you from making your own choices? Whom do you most want to say something to, and why do you feel you can't say it? Definitely think about those things. Um, Codependency and irresponsibility. So in codependent relationships, um, one or both parties can empower the irresponsible behaviors by not holding each other accountable. For their actions and inactions. Um, you might make up excuses for not handling money responsibly. You might offer to pay bills of a partner who continuously wastes money. The alcoholic, they spend a lot of their money on booze, but then they can't pay PG&E, so you pay it for them. They love that. Keep that shit up. Just kidding, don't. <laughs> they continuously clean up after someone who is physically able to do it themselves, but won't. Um, They excuse selfish and narcissistic behaviors. Oh, they had a bad childhood. It's not their fault. They excuse abusive, toxic, and destructive behaviors. Not cool. Uh, I remember a Saturday Night Live skit about this guy at a party who... Everywhere this guy went, he would trash the place. He would break everything, shove people down like he was in a mosh pit. He would just terrorize the whole room and scare the hell out of everybody at the party. Then he would go jump out the window. And there were two people on the side who would say, Oh, poor guy, you know, he can't help it. His parents were eaten by a bear. (laughs) Um, I don't care if your parents were eaten by a bear. I don't care if you were raped as a child. I don't care if you were repeatedly jumped by gangs and beaten and terrorized. I don't care what kind of abuse you suffered. You do not have the right to be a horrible person and treat others like shit. You do not have the right to do that to other human beings. So... If you are the codependent one making these excuses, oh, he had a bad childhood, oh, his mother dressed him like a girl, or I I don't care what happened to this person to traumatize them, that does not excuse them being abusive to you. It is not okay, ever. 
Sorry, that just really gets under my skin. Um, Codependency and learned helplessness. If you're codependent or you have codependent tendencies, you often buy into your significant other's continual engagement in learned helplessness. When you hear the phrase learned helplessness, I want you to think of somebody who continually says, I can't or I need to. Learned helplessness means that this person has bought into a self-authored narrative that says they don't have the power to create change in their life. It's always been this way. Can't change it. Nothing I can do about it. Such is life. Blah, blah, blah. And they make you feel sorry for them. And then you jump in and take over and you do an amazing job of getting done whatever they need done. And then guess what? They'll get on the phone and tell everybody they did it. (laughs) And you'll get no recognition. Not that you did it for recognition, but it's almost like a stab in the back after you do somebody a huge favor like that. So you have to look at others when, when they're asking, when they're making a request of you. Here's where the severity of your no would have to be higher on the scale, okay? When somebody wants you to do something for them, Think to yourself, is this person capable of doing it themselves? If the answer is yes, then you tell them no. And if it's an emergency because they waited until the last minute and now you're the only person with the skills and the know-how to get this done on time for them, you look at them and you say, your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my time. No. So let them fall. I know you don't want to see anybody fall. You don't want to see anybody fail. But think of this as in terms of your own child. If you're this way with your child, you are crippling your child. You have to let people fall on their ass, get wounded, and pick themselves up and dust themselves off and find a way to cope and move forward. You can't do that for them. They can't do that for you. This is part of the life journey where you, if you're terrified of the dark, you must walk through the dark by yourself, not holding anybody's hand and face it and figure it out. There are a lot of things in life we can't count on others for. You have to be brave and if you have to do it with tears in your eyes and shaking all over, push yourself, push yourself. Okay. Codependency and addiction, in many ways they go hand in hand. If you're codependent, you're probably drawn to the person you're attached to for um, any number of reasons, including a desire to fix or save them from themselves. Um, In most cases, the person with the act of addiction is uh, emotionally unavailable, and that sets you up for a very cruel cycle of pain and codependency. Um... The person could be an alcoholic, a drug addict, a narcissist, a gambling addict. Um, The list goes on and on. And here comes the beautiful, loving, wonderful codependent. I'm going to save you with my love. It just never works out. Um, There's a few examples of how codependency plays out in relationships where addiction is involved. Denial is a a given. Um, 
denial that the addiction even exists is taking place. Oh, he's not an alcoholic. He's like a more like a binge drinker. He, you know, works all week and then on weekends he drinks five bottles of tequila. <laughs> or, oh, she's not an alcoholic. You know, she uh, has a bottle of wine every night after work. It's not like, you know, those alcoholics who live on the streets and do nothing but drink. Um, you're making excuses. You're denying. You're in denial. Um, adopting family roles from childhood. Like if your parent was an addict, um, now you're the peacemaker. You're always the peacemaker. You always want to have everybody get along. Um, making peace and keeping the peace is only hurting you when somebody is abusive or neglectful or just completely emotionally unavailable even if they're kind to you but they show you no love and they show you no validation and they're just detached from you and you're pouring your heart all over them and they're like blah (laughs) um that's hurtful to you keeping the peace is only recommended long enough to keep your safety until you can get out of there okay um people who are codependent they often connect with people who are underachievers because the codependent person has a strong desire to fix or somehow better that person but over the over time the relationship kind of morphs into uh this whole sick dynamic where previous characteristics of learned helplessness start to come into play. And again, you're with an underachiever. You're slumming it, so to say. You're with an underachiever. You're with somebody who is not in your ballpark. Um, You are completely out of this person's league. You're gorgeous, you're educated, you're intelligent, empathic, funny, um, diligent, um, very talented and creative in many, many ways. And this person is like a bump on a log. And (laughs) why? You, You look and you say, well, we don't even fit. It makes you feel superior on some level because you didn't get that love and praise and and uh, acceptance and validation where you should have gotten it. So this is how you get it for yourself. That's a hard pill to swallow, but it's true. Um, Codependency and poor self-care. When we are codependent, when we have those traits, one of the biggest dysfunctional pieces of it is because you are disempowered. And this is especially true when it comes to self-care, um, you'll go out of your way to take care of everybody in the world, but you neglect yourself very sadly. And um, you'll continuously clean the house uh, when the other person's capable of cleaning up after themselves. Um, you buy somebody groceries and cook all their meals and you don't let them do it on their own when they could buy and cook and do it on their own. Um, you're washing, bathing, or otherwise grooming another person even though they're able to do it themselves. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but it happens. So I want to jump over to 
the flip side of these negative traits and how they affect us, okay? So back to assertiveness. Let's combat this codependency with some assertiveness and some self-esteem. So more tips for saying no. Keep your responsible, keep your response, I'm sorry, simple. If you want to say no, be firm and direct. Use phrases such as, thanks for coming to me, but I'm afraid it's not convenient right now. Or, I can't help you this evening. Try to be strong in your body language. Don't apologize. You're not asking for permission to say no. You are telling them flat out no. Uh, Another way to say no is to buy yourself a little time. Um, You could say stuff like, hey, let me get back to you on that. I'm not sure right now. And that'll give you time to think it through. And if you decide the answer is no, you can say it with confidence when they contact you again. Um, Another way of saying no is to consider a compromise. Only do this if you want to agree to the request. And it's not going to take anything away from you or cut into your self-care. And if it's not something they could do themselves, okay? So um, you could say you have a limited about a, a amount of time. So um, suggest ways that would suit both of you for you to compromise. Um, if you don't want to compromise, just say no. Um, but if you do want to compromise, you could agree with the request but put a time limit on it and say, I, I only have one hour. I will not watch your children all night long, but I can watch them for one hour if that's helpful. After that, I am busy. Um, another way is to separate refusal from rejection. So remember, one of the reasons it hurts or feels nasty and uncomfortable to say no to people is because we feel like maybe we're rejecting them and we know damn well how bad rejection can sting and we don't want to inflict that on others, right? Well, you're not rejecting the person. You're rejecting their request. So you have to differentiate the two. And people usually understand that you have a right to say no just as much as they have the right to ask for a favor. So remind yourself that you're not rejecting the human in front of you, you're rejecting the request from the human in front of you. Big difference. And don't feel guilty for saying no to your children. It's really important for them to hear the word no from time to time so they develop a sense of self-control and self-discipline. It's hard to negotiate adult life without this skill. And uh, rather than caving into their protests and fits... Let them know who's in charge by setting a boundary. And the last tip is be true to yourself. Um, Be clear and honest with yourself about what you truly want. You have to get to know yourself and examine what you want from life. So that's a lot to think about. And um, it takes a lot of, of work and a lot of practice for you to be able to say, you know... It's time to beef up that self-care. It's time I start telling people no. And I will go more into that in the next episode. 
Um, I want to leave you with this. I used to have this on a bookmark. I had a ton of these bookmarks because I was I had done a few CODA meetings for groups, um, which they say a therapist isn't supposed to, but I did it anyway as a life coach. <laughs> so um, the codependent handbook, it has the 12 promises of Codependence Anonymous. And I used to give this to people all the time, and I wish I had more to give out. Um, but I'll give it to you here, and, and if you want, you can, you know, pause and write these down and hang them up and repeat them as your mantra every single day while you practice your new skills. Okay, so I can expect a miraculous change in my life by working the program of Codependence Anonymous as I make an honest effort to work the 12 steps. Um, it's 12 steps like Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's for codependent behaviors and extinguishing them. Number one, these are the 12 promises. They're beautiful. These are great mantras. I know I have a sense of belonging. I have a new sense of belonging. The feelings of emptiness and loneliness will disappear. Number two, I am no longer controlled by my fears. I overcome my fears and I act with courage, integrity, and dignity. Number three, I know a new freedom. Number four, I release myself from worry, guilt, and regret about my past and present. I am aware enough not to repeat it. Number five, I know a new love and acceptance of myself and others. I feel genuinely lovable, loving, and loved. Number six, I learn to see myself as equal to others. My new and renewed relationships are all with equal partners now. Number seven, I am capable of developing and maintaining healthy and loving relationships. The need to control and manipulate others will disappear as I learn to trust those who are trustworthy. Number eight, I learn that it is possible for me to mend, to become more loving, intimate, and supportive. I have the choice of communicating with my family in a way which is safe for me and respectful for them. Number nine, I acknowledge that I am a unique and precious creation. Number 10, I no longer need to rely solely on others to provide my sense of worth. Number 11, I trust the guidance I receive from my higher power and I come to believe in my own capabilities. And number 12, I gradually experience serenity, strength, and spiritual growth every single day in my life. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you will repeat those 12 promises to yourself every single day. If you have to, just come back and go to uh, the minute marker, 45 minutes, and you can just listen to this over and over and repeat it to yourself to start your day. Um, practice saying no, practice being assertive, and practice taking accountability in the areas where you have been the toxic one. Don't beat yourself up. This is a learning process and you are healing. You are not broken. You are healing and you're worth it and you're a badass. And I'll see you 
in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in.